church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and we're delighted to have you listening to this podcast today. And I am especially delighted to have back on this podcast Pastor George Worley, the pastor at the New Creation Restoration Church and Prison Ministry in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome, Pastor George. Welcome again. Well, I sure appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, to be able to share our lives and our strengths together with other folks. Well, great, great. You know, uh, every week it seems like something happens or is going on that sort of sparks me to think about uh, things from a biblical perspective. And strangely enough, it was the president of the United States signing an executive order to forgive a massive amount of student loans across this country, Uh, literally tens of millions of dollars forgiven. And really what that really means is the taxpayers are going to uh, pay for these student loans. And uh, and I begin to think about that, about uh, what's right and wrong here, because I know uh, students who've worked uh, jobs while they're going to school and, and uh, made sacrifices just so they uh, uh, would not have to borrow Money. I know parents who work two jobs to help pay off students' loans, and and then we, here we have our government coming along and and saying, "Well, uh, we've decided we're going to forgive all the student loans out there." And then we even learned that about thirty percent of them are loans that went to people for graduate degrees, people getting degrees in medicine and law and and uh, all kinds of sciences. You know, people that are headed for high-paying jobs. Uh, they're going to have their loans forgiven. And I thought, you know what? Again, just looking at this from a biblical perspective and thinking about what the Bible tells us about, one, first, borrowing money, it it encourages us to not borrow money, to work those two jobs, whatever we can do, (laughs) you know, to pay off a loan that we've made. If, if uh, If we've taken out a loan, it actually encourages us not to even borrow money. in the scripture. And it just seems such an unfair thing from a biblical perspective. It caused me to sort of sit back and think about what really are the world's values? What's really going on here in our society? It seems like uh, everything is just turned upside down that uh, that people are, uh, uh, the worldly values seem to be focused on the accumulation of wealth and power and opportunity for pleasure and revenge, fame, you know, vanity, status, all of those things. Uh, And uh, uh, these things, I guess, are important to people. They're important to people that really have no hope or future beyond themselves. That's that's right. I mean, you see so much of that, uh, you know, through the world today. 
and especially with this uh, government that we have going on, uh, it is it's terrible because even even such as student loans being forgiven, uh, you know, you see more people on welfare, you see more people getting uh, checks, stimulus checks and uh, other checks. I, I, I got a check in the mail for $330, uh, for the gas prices because they're so high. And I'm going like, really? I mean, is this, is this really going to help my economy? You know, cause I, I run a business, uh, besides being a pastor of a church and, uh, I go to the gas station and the first thing on a Monday morning, I spend about $700 at one time. You know, so yeah. what did really did $300 do for me? Well, right. And I mean, I just go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, it seems like uh, we're just in a time where people more and more just want the government to take care of them in every uh, respect of the way. You know, I, I'm reminded of that verse in Second Corinthians 4, 4, that basically says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. I, I mean, it seems like it's just unfolding right there in front of us. Oh, yeah. I, you know, uh, you know, I'm just so glad that God, that God loves us. Uh, and, uh, you know, he doesn't look at the outward appearance of man, but he looks within the heart, First Samuel, and we begin to think about how good God really is. And, yeah. Uh, you All know, right. And he, and he gives us standards to live by. He does. And, uh, you know, I go to uh, some prayer meetings here in the area where I live, uh, where people are praying about our country, uh, things that seem so crazy and upside down now. You know, we have uh, gangs of mostly young people going into retail stores, breaking in and clearing the shelves or all through this period of time where there was so much vandalism across the country. And we hear national leaders defending this as though the people who are doing this are the victims, that they have a right to do that because they don't have uh, as much as somebody else. So they have a right to break in and vandalize. And it's almost unbelievable to hear national leaders defend this kind of uh, criminal activity. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you speak about criminal activity, you know, and because of today's society and today's laws, a, a police officer cannot do his job correctly. Right. right. You know, they're afraid to do anything because they're afraid they'll be incarcerated. That's right. You know, it's the whole this whole, uh, I guess, uh, defund the police attitude. Of course, a lot of people now are saying, well, uh, we're now now that we see what's happening, we're now for funding the police as though they can just uh, make a public statement and correct all of this. You know, we have so many things, you know, of course, uh, you know, we had all the laws in this country changed so that it would permit gay marriages across the country in spite of all of the uh, the biblical standards regarding uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And, and you and I both know it's not just one verse in the Bible. The Bible has much teaching about that in, in the scripture. And then, you know, traditional marriage itself. Traditional marriage itself is on the decline in our country where more and more people are just living together outside of marriage. And it doesn't seem to, it, it doesn't even 
seem to make any difference to anybody in society. Uh, you know, all you have to do if you're married and don't want to be married is just go down to the courthouse and say, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're no longer comp- uh, compatible. We're now incompatible, meaning we don't get along with each other so well. And you can get a divorce, just a no-fault divorce. Now, there's nothing in the scripture <laughs> that says you can leave a marriage if you think you don't get along. <laughs> exactly. I was talking to I was talking to my insurance agent uh, yesterday, and he had lost his uh, secretary, so his wife had to sit in. Well, me and his me and his wife was talking, and she was saying, "Well, uh, after 34 years, I don't think that I, I don't think that." I could train anybody as good as I have him. So uh, I think I'll just stick around. And I said, well, it doesn't make any difference what your opinion opinion is. I said, as long as you're a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, the word of God says you can't leave him anyway. Right. So just, well, might as well just get that all worked up in your mind that uh, you don't have an opinion in this because God has already made it for you. You know, Billy Graham and his wife were married, I think, 63 years. And when people would ask him about his marriage, Billy Graham himself would say, you know, we are have been married for so long. And we're just so happily incompatible. <laughs> he would say, we are happily incompatible, which tells you what the commitment to marriage really uh, should be all about. I was talking with my, one of my grandsons this morning who's, uh, you know, 16, and uh, and uh, he made this statement to me. I told him what we might be talking about in this podcast, and he said, you know, uh, he said if, if God didn't exist and the Bible didn't exist, it would still make common sense for men and women to live as husband and wife and have a family that would make things stable. Now, this is out of the mouth of a 16-year-old. Yeah. And I, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, the Bible is just full of wisdom. Uh, and, and the reason God laid out these rules is he knew this was fundamentally critical for his children uh, to Absolutely. be in, in intact families. You know? Absolutely. You know, I, uh, me and my wife just celebrated a 30 year uh, commitment that we commit, not a commitment that we made to ourselves, but a commitment we made to God. That's right. Uh, with, that we love each other and we would continue no matter what. The word of God said through uh, good and bad, we would hang right. on to each other. Sure. I mean, that, that's why in the world of Christians, we call it holy matrimony because it is something that God is creating. Uh, you know, another thing I've noticed is uh, how many uh, single mothers we have now having babies as a single mother. And uh, sometimes even having baby showers and celebrating and the fact that uh, they have found a way to become pregnant outside of marriage. It's, it's just another worldly value. We're out there in the world. Uh, they don't see a problem with this today. I mean, it's just accepted. Yeah, they, uh, the world definitely does accept a whole lot of stuff. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the lifestyle of everyone that goes to my church or really, I don't know. I really don't know the lifestyle all except the ones that confess that they are believers and they are married. Uh, So, so it's not been too long ago, maybe four or five weeks ago, I preached about this very subject about uh, 
that there's no such thing as common law marriages that, uh, you know, you are, if you're a Christian, you're to be married, happily married in the word of God and allowing God to be number one in your life, not laying in the same bed with a woman that you're not married to. And, you know, my whole church, even the married ones went, oh. you know, they sighed and just all of a sudden the church got quiet. You know, you've heard that old saying, uh, quiet is a church mouse. You could hear a pin drop, you know, and I realized there's only about 40 people there. But, you know, they begin thinking. And I bet I've had at least three, two or three different couples that has called me and said, hey, you know, marriage is on our conversation. And I didn't even know they wasn't unmarried, you know. That's right. And I'm going like, well, if it is, you need to hurry up and get her done. That's right. That's right. uh, Not that it's going to bring you out of sin, but sin is right there. You know, one of the uh, things going on in our society is this huge debate about uh, abortion. We recently saw the Supreme Court uh, uh, basically say each state gets to decide for itself what, what their abortion laws are going to be. And, and we've just had millions and millions of babies uh, killed in the womb since the Roe versus Wade this original decision was handed down. And uh, uh and it's been fascinating to me that uh, there's now kind of a movement to uh, get a national law that says that uh, the states cannot uh, uh, permit abortions below 15 weeks, which is, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, I think the people promoting it, frankly, are conservative people, but they're thinking, well, we need to put something in here so that... Uh, so that, uh, you know, you can abort a baby up to 15 weeks. I think I said that backwards. You can abort a baby up to 15 weeks. But after that, it would be a national law that prohibits it. And uh, as sort of a compromise in this whole thing, and I, I've seen that California has started running uh, billboards, inviting people to come to California for their abortions, and even quoting scripture in the billboard uh, that basically says we, the scripture is quoting the scripture that says we should love our neighbors. In other words, we should permit abortions if we love our neighbors. Of course, this is so theologically crazy, I can't even believe it. Uh, but but this, this is one of the things people are, are praying about in, in the world of Christians that see abortion as just a killing. Even uh, the Speaker of the House below us the other day was making, mocking, mocking Christians. And she said something like this. She said, some of these people think that that life begins in the twinkle of an eye over a candlelight dinner. Mocking Christians. Well, Well, what we know is the scripture tells us God knows us before we're even formed in the moon. So the truth of the matter is, life begins in the twinkle of God's eye. He decides when life begins. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, this abortion thing, I mean, we could go a long ways with that. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready to preach next weekend about that. I have, uh, I think I've, I shared with you uh, a couple months ago that I put on my billboard that, uh, 
that mur that abortion is murder. Right. And uh, and I have a two sided billboard and, you know, it's a, it's a tall billboard and everybody's uh, they're getting the message. And I even got a little controversy over that from somebody in my church that said, I can't believe that you would put that on the billboard. Do you not know that that uh, we would get uh, uh, I'm trying to use the word that they used. But otherwise, we would people would recognize what we really believed that, you know, that abortion is murder. And, right. and I'm going like and I just I just asked, what do you think? Right. They had no opinion. Well, they I'm didn't. Want like, yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, it's a big mistake, I think, that uh, and, you know, uh, you know, as we look around us, there's so many things that are evil that we pray for in our churches. You know, the violence in the streets that's uh, killing thousands of young people all across America, um, where the society has almost become uh, uh, callous in a way. You know, we hear about the dozens of uh, young people being killed in, in the big cities like Chicago and Philadelphia and even New Orleans and just all across the country to the point where, you know, they announced, you know, 20 some young people were killed over the last weekend in a city. Nobody even blinks and nobody really wants to seems to want to do anything about it. Well, you know, we have, we have a lot of, we have a lot of killings going on. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, they said that Indianapolis per capita has more Killings or murders uh, in our state than Chicago does. Yeah, and that's I mean it's a, that's a very sad thing to yeah. think that. But we're we are having young people uh, killed left and right, you right. know, uh, and it's all over all over really silly things. I, we live in a suburban neighborhood or county. And you just don't hear about that in our in, in our area. And it's not been all oh, probably a month, six weeks ago. Uh, there was a young boy killed at a bus stop right. you know, in a rural area. And uh, come to find out it was and it was an 18 year old other boy that killed him. And it was because they had a dispute in school. Right. Say so, they never they they never. Uh, said what the dispute was about. They just said they had a dispute, and the 18-year-old shot the 17-year-old at the bus stop. Right. You know, we have we just seem to have so many worldly values that uh, seems to allow these things to happen. It's just like this big debate over our southern border right now where we have all this fentanyl pouring into the United States because of this open border, but not only that, all kinds of human trafficking and all kinds of sexual abuse of children and women uh, who are who are crossing illegally down there at the southern border, at, at and at the same time we we have leadership in this country that doesn't want to do anything to secure the border. I tell people Christians are not concerned about this because we're worried about uh, uh, immigrants. We're concerned about this because of the human tragedy that is unfolding down there. And uh, but nobody even talks about it except on maybe some of the conservative news channels. 
Well, uh, you know, and it's not it's not been long ago. Uh, they just ship they just ship uh, airplane loads of uh, immigrants to a local uh, army camp that we have here in our state. And I think they were somewhere around 5,000 or 7,000 of them that they just brought here. Uh, and not that they're going to cause any problems. And I, don't, I haven't heard of any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, just bringing them here when really and truly uh, they really want to be at home. Right. You know, in the, right. in the country they come from. Yeah. Well, there's just so many things. You know, we have, we have this big transgenderism debate going on where uh you know, more and more news is coming out about how many young people across the country are being chemically castrated or mutilated uh, by removal of breast and, and uh, uh, you know, genital uh, surgeries. We're talking about young teenagers uh, that this is happening to at many, many surgical places, uh, big medical centers across the country. And or science is telling us that, uh, you know, if there's some kind of gender confusion among young people, they usually outgrow it by the time they're 18, 19 years old. But in spite of all that, in spite of all that knowledge, it's going on. And again, I think it's just a reflection of world values, just the world values that we're dealing with today. Uh, and we're dealing with, we're dealing with an awful lot of those, uh, you know, I, being a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe in uh, homosexuality. I don't believe in any of that. And I'm not bashful to tell people that uh, if you, if you are a homosexual, uh, you know, you have these homosexuals, they have a church here in, in town called the unity church. And that's where all the, that's where all the, the gays and the lesbians uh, uh, go and they also have some that are heterosexual that go there and believe that that is okay. Right. But really and truly what they have is they have a, they have a whole church that is on its way to hell and they, yeah. and they're not seeing it. The word of God is plain when Very it comes plain. to uh, the homosexuality, the marriage, uh, our, our values about God. All of those things, uh, the word of God is plain about. Yeah. You know, you know G- George, these things really upset us and people like us. And, and what, what I would refer to is the conservative evangelical churches across America. But, you know, I think there's some more uh, fundamental things that must be troubling God, uh, like this uh, obsession that we have with youth and beauty in this country where untold millions of dollars are being spent to improve people's appearance about plastic surgeons, orthodontists, uh, women spending billions of dollars in all kinds of cosmetics and weird procedures that I don't even understand. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, all you got to do is turn on your TV for a little while, watch and see the obsession we have about youth and beauty. And that seems so foreign to any kind of Christian faith. Well, you know, and uh, you know, I you know, I don't know what to say about those that situation, but you know, there is there is a denomination out there uh, 
that uh, they don't wear no makeup. They all have long hair uh, and they are all, as far as I'm concerned, in that in that area, they're following what God has established in their lives. And I believe that uh, me, you know, I told my church the other day, you know, I was trying to figure out a way that I would look better or a better have a better appearance to them when I preach the word of God. What are you laughing about, bro? <laughs> when I when I stand before them and, and you know, then I told him, I said, well, you know, uh, I, I have not figured it out. And somebody in my in my uh, congregation said, said, Pastor, have you not figured out it's too late now? <laughs> I went like, well, you know, I, I, I've tried to put all that together and I figured out that, you know, God made me the way I am. And this is the way right. I'm going to be. And like you said earlier, that I can yeah. do. Right. And like you, you said earlier, that I can be there. Yeah. And, and as you said earlier, and as the Bible teaches us, God's not really worried about what you look like. He's worried about what's in your heart. But, you know, we in this society, uh, we seem to have these this idol worship. You know, it's, it's like how we worship people with money, the wealthy. You know, every so often they publish a list of the most highly paid athletes, the most highly paid entertainers, the most highly paid corporate uh, heads and and people read these lists. They publish them because people want to read them. And it's almost like they want something to feed their envy to 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 where they want to uh, uh, they want to be like those people somehow. Well, you know that's uh, I I have to go back to the Word of God because the Word of God tells us He made us the way we are. That's right, and He only provides. You know, you brought that up. There's a lot of people out there, you know, that, that are uh, uh, chasing money and fame. Sure. And, you know, in my opinion, all of that is okay if you've got it all right with God. When I say got it all right with God, if God is first in your life. That's right. And he is the Lord of your life. God said, I will give you all that you deserve and even more. That's right. You know, that's right. He doesn't tell us because we're Christians, we're supposed to live in poverty. That's right. By no means whatsoever. I say, I think you've nailed this down. I mean, what you're saying is there's nothing wrong with having a big house and an expensive car and a bank and a fat bank account. As long as you're focused on Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Number one, you know, I was I was at a soccer game today uh, and it was this morning about nine o'clock and there was this guy that was sitting next to us. And uh, he looked over at me a couple times and looked at my wife because my wife got a broken leg and I was rolling around on grass in a wheelchair. And uh, he looked at he looked at me and he, he looked up at my head. And he said, you live in the Woodfield edition. I said, I do. I said, how did you gather that? We lived in the Whitfield edition. He said, because the Jesus on your head, I love Jesus. I said, what's that got to do with it? He said, well, it's all over everything you own. Your trucks has got it. Your head's got it. Everything you own has Jesus on it. That's right. You know, and more people need to let others know if they profess to be a follower of Jesus, they need to find ways to let other people know about that. And, uh, but, you know, we have all these misplaced attitudes, you know, uh, uh, where we uh, uh, somebody has a lofty position in a company 
uh, we hold them in some higher esteem than we would a secretary or a plumber or, you know, somebody who has a landscaping business. Uh, society, the general society out there makes these distinctions when, you know, the scripture over and over again tells us we shouldn't be making distinctions between people. Oh, no. I mean, again, again, we, we have to uh, uh, rely on the word of God to back all that up because, uh, God said, I'm no prospector of people. That's right. And, and what he's saying is, he said, I don't care how much money you got, as long as you're paying your tithes, that is. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'm, I'm a guy, I don't, I don't preach on tithes, but I expect you to pay them. Yeah. And you well, already know how much that is. God no, God expects you to be tithing. That's right. Well, I mean, we, we just, uh, uh, we, we, we allow people you know, who have fame and fortune, maybe they're famous athletes or, or they're famous entertainers or others. Uh, we, we, we rely on their opinions about things sometimes, even when they don't have any common sense and, and they have no training on the subject. <laughs> exactly. You see, you see it all the time. They'll have uh, some, some uh, athlete or somebody in, the, in a big business that don't know anything about a subject. But yet they'll they'll be uh, on some type of a TV program or something like that, uh, and and they're dumbfounded when there's a question asked to them because they can't answer it. That's right. You know. Well, you you know you've been uh, suggesting throughout this conversation that uh, the reality is God wants us to put Him first in everything, Absolutely. everything, and and that. We are not to be driven by money and possessions. Uh, that's stated pretty plainly there in Matthew six twenty four, and that uh, you know when Jesus was asked uh, about the most important commandment, uh, he said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength." He said that's the most important commandment, not something he suggests. <laughs> you know, exactly, a commandment. Yeah, mean, it is. He wants to be first. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want these things to come in front of him. Uh, but but we have a lot of worldly values out there that are doing the very uh, opposite than that. And, of course, then he went on and talked about the second most important commandment was to love your neighbor. L- love your neighbor as he he loves us. So that's that means a, a deep abiding love. It really kind of. And we start to translate that into how we interact with people. We, we start by saying, if that's the case, and, and, and the Lord has commanded us to love our neighbor, then at, uh, at the very beginning, that means being kind. Just being kind to Just your neighbor. Kind, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Just being kind. Yeah. You know, and you can, you can, you can demonstrate uh, the love of God just through a handshake. Or if you see someone stranded on a car, stop and see if you can help. You know, uh, if you run into your neighbor while they're checking the mail, just say, hey, how are you doing today? And just have a conversation, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe that I don't believe totally that that just means the one that lives next door to you. I, do, I believe that means mankind. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Love all mankind. 
yeah. and be good to them. And, and treat them all equally, whether you're rich or poor or beautiful or plain or uh, famous or not so famous or or powerful or powerless. Exactly. You know, exactly. That we make no differentiation between. I, our I was I was at jail last night and uh, I was I was uh, sharing the love of God with a woman. And in the county jail that we have now, they don't let they don't actually don't let you go in the jail, but they have a room where you guys can have a conversation uh, somewhat private, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, when it was all over, the conversation was she was an alcoholic. And she really needed, and she, but she had been there for several months and her husband was one. But he wasn't seeking no help, but he needed help. Right. So I told her, I said, well, how about I invite him to church? Because I believe that's the biggest key to everybody's problem is they don't allow God to intervene in their lifestyles. And once God intervenes in their lifestyle, everything changes. So I am I, I called him at 10 o'clock last night. Invited and invited him to church, and he was dumbfounded on the other end of the phone. He didn't know what to say, didn't know how to answer. But finally, after this eight or nine minute conversation, he was willing to say, "You know, I'm not coming this Sunday." Which you hear that every time you invite somebody. I don't care if it's even on Monday. They'll say, "I, I can't, I can't make it this Sunday," but they'll say, "I'll try next Sunday." But the ideal of it is, is all I done was planted a seed. That's right. I showed I showed concern for my neighbor. That's right. You know, over in Colossians three twelve, it reads like this: Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that's what you were doing. You know, when you were there in that jail, and you were reaching out uh, to family to be involved in church. Uh, you know, that is absolutely the key. That's absolutely the answer. You know, God wants us to, uh, uh, certainly wants us to live a moral life and treat our bodies like the temple of God. He tells us indeed there's where the Holy Spirit resides. But uh, I think you have, uh, you know, you've kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of comparing what God's values are versus the world's values. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know any other way of putting it. Because uh, God is my best friend. Right. And he has taught me from day one how to uh, love people. Because right. I, had a real, I had a real problem with that before I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I could have cared less about my neighbors. Yeah. And, and the only time that I had any thoughts about my neighbors, if there was a way that I could con them out of something. Right. Uh, but it ain't like that now. It's about allow me to show the love of God to him. Yeah. You know, uh, Pastor George, I love having you on here, especially bring us news from the Indianapolis area, but uh, also because of your perspective and you and I could really talk about these things for much longer. And we don't have time on this podcast today to do that, but I'd like to uh, reach out to our listeners in this way. And if, if you're listening to this podcast and are wondering where you fit into worldly values, where you fit into God's values, let me urge you to do this. And that is read God's word, the Bible. 
Get to know God better and understand his purpose for you in this world. And uh, learn the values that God holds dear and, and grow to love those values. And, uh, you know, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit begins to work through us and spread God's love through good works and eventually leading others to the promised eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, brother. And so I'm so happy you were on here today with me, Pastor George. I look forward to doing this again with you soon. I hope so, too. Okay. God bless you, man. You have a great day. Love you, my friend. Love you, too. All right. All right.